Another day and another good day to get real. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's your guy, Ronald E. Smith. And it's today I would love to talk about a guest I have. He's a content creator, and he's been around the whole field for so long and has transferred to different parts, it blow it would blow your mind. <laughs> but instead of me yapping my gums, let me bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Stephen Carver, a.k.a. Sabrespark. How you doing, brother? Ronald, I'm well. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited to talk to you, and I watched some of your previous interviews. I, I like your charisma. I, that's what won me over. So I'm excited <laughs> to chat with you. Thank you, man. I, I do my best. You know, I ain't one to brag, but thank you, man. And <laughs> on the show, everyone, as I always say, this is about telling the story. It's about getting to know the guests and seeing their journeys from where they started to where they are now and to where they look for themselves in the future. But it's hard, too, when for some creators who have made it so far and other people think they don't need anything else. They're good. You think that. But everyone is different and everybody still has a journey to take. And that's what we're talking with Steven about. So let's just go with you for the beginning, man, because as a content creator, you know, it's all this stuff is never easy. But also, too, we all really start at a point, but then we don't really get it going for maybe like another yeah. couple of years. We sign up to YouTube. So tell us what tell us where, where your journey began as really as a content creator. Well, Ronald, it started funny enough back in like the mid 2000s where, I mean, I'm 31. So my generation being millennial was one of the first generations to be like baptized into the online world. Now, it wasn't a status quo for people going online and participating. That was more of an exception for like the geeks and the nerds. And as time has gone on, the the Internet on a very mainstream level has proven itself to be like the status quo where it's like, oh. Everyone has a, a Facebook, a TikTok, a YouTube, a Twitter, an Instagram, something. And, and when I say everyone, I mean not everyone, but like a massive majority. It, it's very much so that the, the tables have been turned on people, not like in a vicious way, but more of a like back when I was a kid, it's like, oh, you know, you might go on I don't know, AOL, oh, go to gosh. Cartoon Network's website. Oh, and geez, AOL, there we go. Right. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I remember seeing the AOL trial like disc being given away at Blockbuster back during the, that's, <laughs> I remember that, that's, those. Oh, yeah, right. I kind of miss them. But, you know, time time waits for no man and Blockbuster couldn't adapt and Netflix smacked him down. So that's just the way every, the way and every other streaming service. Yeah. Yep, they wouldn't. They refused to adapt. Apparently, they were even offered Netflix for like I think a ten million dollar buyout. Back in the day, and Blockbuster said, mm, "Nah," and it's like, "Wow, you just sealed your fate." But aside the point, I online I was infatuated by it. Going on to you know, AOL, dial up things like that, and it wasn't until around two thousand and like I'd say four or five, where I'm like, "Oh my god, Xbox Live, Halo Two online, you can play people." I recall my cousin Brian who is about like four years older than I am. So I was like in high school or yeah, early high school or freshman in high school. And he was a senior in high school. And he was like, yeah, hey, Steven, um, I'm playing this new game called World of Warcraft. 
And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, well, it's a game where you can like make your own character, run around the world and play with other people and go on like dungeon raids or whatever. And I'm like, wait, you can play with them? Like, like have your own little avatar running around in a world? That blew my mind. And I was addicted to playing Warcraft. That was my first real step into the online world with communicating with like online with people, inside jokes, uh, memes before I even knew they were called memes. And that was my first time like interacting with an online community which would lend itself and be i guess a training ground for me moving forward that's really about it for warcraft i mean a typical uh cliche way i got addicted to the game played it for like from 2005 to 2000 and like uh, eight i think it was the year where i'm like okay i'm i'm i've gone off the deep end here i need to step away from this game which i did and i basically have never gone back to it and to the degree i played that game i mean i tell you i had tunnel vision where it, <laughs> i dreamt i dreamt of my character i was like oh like every waking moment just play warcraft and uh but i got over it and grew up and moved on to other things so around 2009 or so that's so i made my youtube account in 2007 that's when i created it and it only that was back when youtube was in its infant days where it's yeah. like oh the people the, the top creators of youtube had like oh um 50 000 subscribers and you're on the top 10 like most subscribed or whatever it Think really gives that. you an idea wow. right now you got like people like markiplier jacksepticeye pewdiepie you know. oh it's 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 the by leaps and bounds the youtube has blown up in popularity but um I made my account. I used it to watch stuff, make playlists, like, comment, subscribe, things like that. I wasn't a creator. I was infatuated by YouTube poops, though, because my college roommate. <laughs> I, yeah, that. Yes. I, went to, I went to college in 2007. My roommate was like, hey, check this out, YouTube poops. I'm like, whoa, that's great. How do you do this? And that's when I started to learn more about how to create things. Like, And I was so new to it. Um, editing software wasn't widely available. Downloading programs wasn't widely available. It was hard. Um, but uh, I, I tried. I made some really awful YouTube poops with Windows Movie Maker. But, you know, that's like you said. You have to start somewhere. Exactly. No one blows up. It's not like somebody just says, I'm going to make it today. And by next week, I will be there. It's like, no. You're, you have to train yourself, grow, make mistakes, get, get an audience. It takes time. It's like, it's like a growing a plant you have to water it give it sunlight and and learn it uh, learn how to, to care for it in its own individual unique ways some people don't want that though they, some people just want to make, make it to the finish line immediately now because they don't want to go through the process you know it, it doesn't help that like not to sound like a a boomer but like i'm not a boomer but like i know there's the <laughs> a lot of i mean like people nowadays from multiple generations, we've been trained, at least in, here in, in the U.S. where I live, it's instant gratification. I need it now. Yeah. And a lot of folks want that instant gratification, especially folks who are up and coming. And I get it. You're hungry for it. You want to grow. Um, you, want, you want to taste that victory. But it takes time. And I think the harder the journey is, it, the harder the journey, the longer the journey, the more rewarding it is. And it feels like you earned it. Like it wasn't something you take for granted where you're just given it. So it takes time. It absolutely, it takes time. It takes discipline and it takes a whole lot of luck. You're preaching to the choir because that is like for everybody just who, is, who are hustling and still grinding through it because it, 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 it does. It takes so much work and dedication with it. You know, you have to put 
your heart and soul into it and also keep encouraging yourself not to quit because there will always be times when you want to give it up yeah there are times where you want to throw in the towel and i've seen that i've gone to conventions after i guess quote unquote making it and i've had people who are like oh i've been doing this for a year and nothing's working i give up and i'm like yeah well you know it's it's adapt adapting that's the name of the game you have to learn to adapt learn your audience learn yourself know your know your experience your talents your passions uh what does youtube favor uh you have to play by their rules a bit until you can get to open waters and kind of have a bit more freedom of your own to do what you want it's tough it's and the thing is the thing about it is there's not one true path to success there's multiple paths to success and even then, like there's lots of dead ends along the way where you can find temporary success and then it fails. It's it's a it's a machine, YouTube. It, it, it's a machine that has all kinds of moving mechanisms and all kinds of input and output. And like, is where someone like myself, I make a video, a main video once a week if I can, uh, maybe twice a week if I can get a small video out. Versus like other channels who can upload once every few months and just blow up with their views. That's enough. And it all depends on your audience. All depends on your content. All depends on you. There's so many factors involved. That's completely true. And we're we're gonna touch more on YouTube later on, but I just want to get back on uh, here about you after you said that you got you know more into 2007 about yourself about you know starting you know just signing up to YouTube for just having fun. But then as you moved on, what popped your interest to continue the like um. I want you to want to make make something. Like, what got that idea going for you? To make content? Yeah. What, um, where where did that just, just when you say I'm glad you want to try something? So it, it was the YouTube poops definitely. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I want to try that. I just want to like get my feet wet with this and see what I can do. And I wasn't that good at it, but it was something. It wouldn't be until the pony stuff. So yeah, uh, let's rip that bandaid off. I was part of the Bernie fandom back when it first blew up in 2012. And it's crazy. That, that, that's crazy that you say that because I was in with it too, you know, because that's... For real. Like that show, yeah, no, I'm, no no lie. I, I remember I remember seeing it like memes. I saw the memes and yeah. I was in college and it was just funny. And I, but my, my whole thing was, where did this come from? Why are there jokes about ponies? I don't get it. And someone just said about a show, saw a link, I watched it, and you know, it was one of those things where you know you watch it for the first time. You're like, I'm only gonna watch one episode. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch the the, the next one. I watch the next one. Yep, and that's the next one. You. And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, what's happening? And then I'm like, I like it. Dang it. Yeah, I like it. That's where they get you. That's my exact same. Like I, I relate. Because I remember like 2010, 11 or so. That's when like there was more. Um, internet culture coming in on a mainstream level and i would say due to the rise of facebook the rise of youtube the rise of just websites being used in particular for communication on a mainstream social media level and i remember seeing like rage comics and la troll face and things yeah. like that making the rounds i remember my college i was in college at the time and there was like a, a college facebook group for making memes directed at the college campus and yeah, it was catching on. It was it was it wasn't like massive ma massively mainstream, but it was getting there. And you can tell. I I my theory, and I, it's not really that mind blowing of a theory. It's because of smartphones. 
It really is. People are getting smartphones now. It was going a lot more mainstream as well. And your phone has, con you know, it, it can connect to the internet. Can it, in a quick stage, right? Exactly. You know, watch movies, watch shows, watch content, you know, communicate, socialize, all on your phone. That's great. That's why things were switching over. That's where they are, without a doubt, nowadays. But uh, 2011, I discovered the pony stuff, and I'm like, oh, this seems really popular. What's going on? It's some kind of underground movement uh, <laughs> with, like, nerds online. I want to know the jokes. And that led me to the watch the show as well, and I'm right there with you. One episode, two episodes. Okay, I'm hooked. And I made a college project called The Ballad of the Brony, which was, a, I guess... An old school, or I, I, I wouldn't. It wasn't until like the mid 2010s that I discovered what a video essay is. But I essentially made a video essay for Bronies, the Bernie fandom, back in 2011, and it was for a class called the Study of Deviants. My teacher was really cool. She was like, "Oh yeah, you can do a video project on Bronies if you want. Go for it. I encourage you." And I thought it'd be like a 10 minute video max. Ended up being about an hour long. Yeah. It was my passion project the entire semester. And I was so proud of it. And I put it up on YouTube. And, and I guess I didn't realize that the YouTube, uh, bronies on the internet were like really hungry for content. So that's where I really got my start as Saber Spark, the content creator. Because up to that point, it was like YouTube poops and just awful edits. But with me as a personality, with a voice, that wasn't done officially until 20 late 2011 with the battle of the brony that's where i started and to just to, to just to talk about that because the battle of the brony because i remember when it came out like i just remember fully and it, it caught my eye and no man like you did a fantastic job oh thank you but i'm gonna throw this at you too because i honestly want to know because this project you did was there a doubt in your mind that your classmates wouldn't like it or it wouldn't get the, you know, the proper respect that you, that your vision was for it. So I wasn't like too worried about my classmates. Like I, I, I guess I was, cause most of my classmates were girls in this class. And, uh, I felt like I had a really good relationship with them and they were a lot more understanding. There were like only two other guys in my class. It's not, like I'm, it's not like I'm only embarrassed in front of guys versus girls. Right. It's just that like, the class itself was in a demographic where they were a lot more understanding and open arms about this and communicating. They actually were really hyped on the project. I kept oh. telling them uh, every week, I'm like, oh, this is the progress we're making. It was, it was a group project. And yeah, they all the classmates around, like I'd say 20 of them, were really pumped about it. So I felt like I was being encouraged. That being said, I did show in front of the class and there were some parts where I'm like, oh, this is a bit, this is cringy. Like my, my, <laughs> the voice of the ponies. I'm like, oh, let's skip past this part. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess I felt some levels of self-doubt and anxiety, but all in all, it was um, a good experience for my class. And my teacher was very encouraging and, and I felt like I did a good job. Did you get an A? Come on now. Oh, I got, I got an A++. Yes. That's why I wasn't so upset. You told me you got a B minus. I'm like, no. A++. I remember my teacher, she's like, yeah, this is like one of the best projects I was ever like ever in her class. And I'm like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> And now you said you put it on YouTube, and that just gave a, another big oomph for you. And then that, then that began Saber Spark. Correct. That's where I started. It got uh, put up on a Brony website called Equestria Daily, and I started doing some just a variety of other Brony content, from skits to uh, talking about other topics. It was kind of a my channel was kind of a variety channel, but at the core of it, it was me as a personality talking about pony stuff. And that's how I got my start. 
I also appeared in in Bernie's React. My buddy AC Race Best I've seen that. did that as a channel. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious I still show up in that. I'm literally literally filming a Bernie's React this weekend. I still do it. <laughs> nice. With that, you've now put on YouTube. You've you've now put yourself in the Brony community with the MLP fandom. Saber Spark is born, and you're just continually growing with yourself, talking about this show. And I and this is a question I think a lot of bronies get you know during that time because like anything it's my little pony no matter what you know and the idea in the head of people who see grown men talking about it liking it and watching it they, they for them is strange but you also talked about other fandoms and other things that quote-unquote normal people do but it's accepted you know huge crowds yelling screaming for justin bieber grown men going to games with their shirts off and blow, going over their mind just for a team that doesn't even know who they are. <laughs> you know, but why is all of that accepted and okay, but a show that, look, all, all of us have grown up watching cartoons. Like, we all remember liking the Powerpuff Girls, and that was okay. There are guys who was, who watch anime and watch Sailor Moon, they, and they're okay. I loved it. Why yeah, is yeah. this a humongous issue? I mean, I I feel like again, like it, it, for the longest time, I I, I kind of see with Star Trek is where it began, where it's like, oh, the nerd, the geek who likes things that aren't like sports and cars and and whatnot. And as time has gone on, with the explosive growth of the internet and it showing up as a viable option to grow your popularity, your platform, your your art, it it's leveled the playing field, and it also helps a lot that a lot of the nerds have gone on to create like, you know, Star Wars and, and Marvel and other films. It, 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 it's, it's jocks and nerds see a lot more eye to eye and there's a lot more uh, cross contamination where it's like, you know, you got guys watching ponies, you got girls, you know, watching masculine stuff. It's fine. You know, at the end of the day, we're all just consumers of content and yeah, demographics, demographics exist, but they shouldn't rule everyone to a T. And yeah, I, I like that. I like that things have calmed down where it's like, Oh, um, Johnny, you know, all-star, the high school quarterback, can also play Xbox Live with a bunch of nerds, and they get along just fine. Exactly. Like, it's, there's no longer, like, a divide. I'm sure there's still division, but not nearly as much as it used to be. Yeah, like, d during this whole lockdown, we saw so many athletes on ESPN playing eSport e games. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? eSports was on ESPN. Like, I never, live. Like, I never thought I would see live gaming on ESPN for my life. If that shows you how we've changed, how it's just now a norm. And you're right, you know, it's it's commonly accepted. I'm, and I'm happy about that. I, want, I hope to see continued like growth with people like, it's. there shouldn't be these divisions where I was like, oh, you can't talk to that group. It's like, oh, shut up. Everybody can talk to whoever <laughs> they want. Let, the, let people like what they want. Like I, I see, I see go to, these, go to these big nerd conventions like Momocon or, or Dragon Con, and you'll see just all types of folks from all walks of life. And the common denominator there, there is that we're all here to have fun and enjoy each other's passions and and geek out over stuff. Whether you're a big muscly jock or whether you're a puny little guy, it doesn't matter. We're all here to enjoy this content, and and that's good. That's unifying. One hundred percent. My name is Ron Smith, and I, I'm I'm chatting with Saber Spark. As you've moved and grown. You know, with the you know, as the show's grown and moved on, you also have grown with, you know, the fandom. You know, and you 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 went from 
conventions, you know, people following you, sharing stuff with you. And so your popularity grew. So how was that for you? Did you feel any anxiety of like fans always like either putting pressure on you? Did you feel that you always need to work harder to make content for yourself? Or did you feel that the success may have like felt a little bit overwhelming? Or was it just okay with you? I um I never felt overwhelmed. I never I, I was I was so there was a certain point early on in twenty twelve. I was there for the beginning. I wasn't there for the first Bernie Con, which was like in a hallway at some hotel. But I was there for the like official first Bernie Con in Secaucus, New Jersey. And that was like so exciting because that was the first time where Bernie's came together. People are passionate, lots of art, lots of just genuine good vibes. But also people are starting to realize it's not just the show staff who folks are getting hyped over. It's also people within the community who make stuff can so gain talented, a following. So talented. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate that. I always appreciate genuine creativity and art. I, though, was like, oh, I want to be noticed, senpai, you know, <laughs> by... um. I wanted to be noticed. I, I wanted to build a, a following and have folks follow me around. I'm gonna be a rock star. But I um 2012 BernieCon didn't really get that. I'm like, oh, only three people recognized me. Said, said the guy who has never shown his face on camera, so why would they even know me? Uh, I think I had like five thousand subscribers at the time. And then I went to a convention in New not New Jersey, uh blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, Seattle, Washington, called Everfree Northwest. And I printed out a shirt that said Saber Spark on it. I'm like, haha, now they'll know who I am. And I walked around the convention. I was acknowledged by a lot more people, but it felt like a hollow victory where it felt forced. It didn't feel organic. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I, I don't want to force people to thank me. That seems weird. And from that point onward, I've told myself, whatever happens, happens. Like, I will go to the panels, put on the best show I can, have fun with making content. Uh, MC panels if I can. Just do whatever I can. Have fun with it. And just from by luck, I, I found myself doing more panels after that, growing my channel further, getting involved with other creators, having fun. We just really jammed with our personalities and and try to put on good shows. And I was pretty involved in the convention circuit for basically the entire duration of the Bernie fandom, and that was fun. Did you ever feel at the at the time that you felt you wanted to try different things because you know when you do things so many times you you, you get tired of it and you, and you look as we grow, as we grow older we get new interests there's some things that we get more interested in and we want to try it out sure you, were you ever afraid to experiment on some things oh so because if you did you'd be backlash from your fans of course uh i mean the max the max subscribers I ever gained from doing the bernie stuff was around like sixty thousand. And around, I'd say, what was it? 2000 and around late 2014 was when I started to run out of steam doing Bernie stuff. Was it after uh, the Bernie, uh, the Bernie Chron uh, Chronicle? Yeah, around that time. Yeah, good, good research. I around that time, I felt like I've done and said everything I can about this fandom, and you know, as far as making content goes, I'll still participate on the convention scene. But as far as making content, I'm like, I don't know what else to say. I've done quote unquote two documentaries. What else is there to do or say? And that's when I started to drift away from doing pony content, from making content in general. I had like real life things going on in 2014, 15 that took me away from YouTube. Well, the the later half of 2014, the later half of 2014, 
And then early 2015, I stopped making content. Mid-2015, I made sketch comedy videos with my buddy Scott and his brother Tyler. We made some just random goofy stuff, not even pony related, just whatever. I think there's the occasional pony video here and there, but nothing that was like like as on the nose about pony content back in like 2012 and 13. But around late 2015, I um, released a video called Why Cartoons Aren't... Or why Animation... Are these cartoons? Why Animation's Not Just for Kids or something like that. And that, I, I guess, was a video essay. Uh, again, I didn't realize that was what they were called, but I made a video essay without knowing it. Threw it up on YouTube for the heck of it. I'm like, oh, whatever. Let's, let's put it up here and see what happens. And it got like 20,000 views in like a day. And I was like, whoa, that's huge. Like, Because uh, at that point, my channel was kind of dead. And I was like, okay, I'll keep running with this. And I kind of did some like, you know, uh, after that, I did some called like, why are phantoms bad? And I put like Pony, Undertale in the thumbnail. Kind of toasted a bit of, of on the Undertale trend at the time. And it did well. Uh, that's That kind of was like the second renaissance for my channel. Well, the first renaissance was the pony content. The second renaissance was for just animation in general, which was a pretty organic, like, bridge built. or I built a bridge for my pony audience to something they already were, were hooked on. That's animation. But it also opened up opportunities for folks who weren't just pony fans, but animation fans, which is a larger audience. So I ran with that momentum, and here I am now. And l right there, l let's just keep it here, because you did say... You know, in the 2014, 2014, 2015, you know, you said that you know, you stopped for a bit and you said that your channel was basically dead. Yes. Before that second boom period came for you. But during that time, why did you at that one time to say either I'm taking a break or maybe a thought in your head came, I'm, I'm going to just stop? So it was a burnout on the Bernie Chronicles project because that was that was stressful and, and like kind of tested uh my stamina with the team. It wasn't a bad experience. We were just kind of tired afterwards. I think we were kind of a little bit also like, oh, the Bernie fandom isn't as fun as we initially thought it was, which wasn't the fandom's fault. That was just at a certain stage with my my experience with the fandom and with my friend's experience where we felt like we were getting burned out and we wanted to pull back and reassess ourselves because we love the fandom. You know, it, right. uh, it, it's, it was a weird cycle of excitement, decline, no, excitement, uh, kind of rocketed up with like you know passion and popularity uh a steady decline resentment pull back to take a break and then started to fall in love with it all over again but in a sentimental way and that's where we are today but um yeah i i'd say uh it was again, a combination of real life stuff with like jobs and relationships that pulled me away of course and then um and then just getting burned out on the, the Bernie Chronicles, where it's like, okay, that took a lot. Let's take a let's take a break and just kind of reassess ourselves. And then after that reassessment period, it overlapped with like me getting fired from some white collar jobs and and me uh, having a relationship that ended up with us not working out. So that was a big burnout that lasted from late 2014 to around I'd say. God, September 2015, and that's when I was like working at Starbucks as a barista. And I'm like, I'll give this YouTube thing a whirl again. Let's let's try something a bit different from ponies, and it worked. Got lucky. Were you ever afraid to try something new? Like, did you? Because did you think that people forgot about my channel, and why in the world would they want to just watch this new thing I'm putting out? Even though you said that the bridge made sense, you know, because in the whole, it's just cartoons 
you know, the love of cartoons. So, but did you think that it would work for you? Um, no, I didn't jump into it thinking this would be the next big thing. I just made it. I think after burnout with work and relationship and then doing Starbucks, which I'll be real with you. I, when I took on the barista job, I was like, oh, I guess I need to do something. So I'm not homeless. And uh, it's all good. I felt, yeah, I felt defeated. I was like, oh. And it, the funny thing is, I love, I love working at Starbucks. I have a really great team, and it, you know, they do healthcare. So at least there's that. That's always good. But yeah, right. Uh, it says a lot more than most other, you know, service companies and consumer companies, whatever. But um, that being said, I had some really cool people there who were good friends, still are good friends, and they, I, I shoot the breeze with them, just talking about cartoon stuff like Disney, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, and and just. I was like, huh, maybe maybe I can revisit my channel and do some videos about YouTube. Oh, not YouTube. Uh, on YouTube about animation in general. Why not? Hey, why not? I like animation. And I just did a project, the Why Cartoons Aren't Just For Kids video, and it it clicked. I never went into expecting it to blow up. It just, it just did. And I, I got very lucky. But I ran with that luck. I still run with it. What you said before makes total sense because, like any fandom, I believe the MLP fandom did reach its peak and then it declined. What you were feeling, I think, is what a lot of the fans were feeling with the show. You know, it kind of it just ran too long, you know, and eventually some people just faded off. That's just how life is, you know? And for you to feel that way totally makes sense of the burnout and you just trying to figure out life. Because, look, life don't care about what you're doing on the internet. Life just is here and it's going to let you deal yeah. with it. Exactly. I'm speaking with Saber Spark. If you're interested in his work or you want to check out his channel, go ahead and go on YouTube at YouTube Saber Spark. That's YouTube Saber Spark. And also on Twitter, same name, Saber Spark. You then transitioned to your second boom because if you look at it as a whole, Cartoons have always been there, you know, for you, not only for you, but for everybody, you know, growing up, there's always been the shows I brought before, you know, like the Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, Samurai Jack, Re Recess, Rugrats, you know, all, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can agree that to a point there was like a down period in some, uh, some of the cartoons, you know, like there was a period where nothing great was coming out and it was just very mediocre. It didn't, I mean, uh, yeah, I, you know what, actually, continue, and then I'll, then I'll share my thought about that. Go sure. ahead. Yeah, no problem. But then, like, around, I want to say the 29s, the 2010s, a little mm -hmm. bit 2011s, there was, like, a boom period of this new wave of animation that really sparked it back up and just got a new wave of people coming in to appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And then that sparked so many creators, so many people in the, uh, in the MLP fandom, and then when that period died... That sparked your idea to continue on and, and your, your channel to create new ideas and spark up conversations that I think a lot of people thought about, but they didn't really have any place to really talk with. Talk with. It was, I'll tell you this about the animation thing. Go ahead. Is that it's so interesting to me that like, I don't know, it, 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 this is a theory. So take that for what it's worth. But like Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, those are all products of like the, a, a massive effort of cable channels to try to capitalize on cartoons mm -hmm. off the heels of the 1980 animation, which like they're like, okay, we're, we want to make high quality content for kids. 
uh, or, you know, just, you know, cartoons, but, you know, for, for kids to consume. Dexter's Lab, Pepper Girls, Hey Arnold, Rugrats, stuff like that. Not like G.I. Joe stuff, which I'm not having a great G.I. Joe saying that all 1980 cartoons are bad, but there is admittedly moments where it's pretty schlocky and, and low budget. Right. And and they're to sell to us. But that being said, 90 cartoons aren't like, you know, there's definitely merch for them too. But it was still high quality. That being said, uh, that came that came from the, the cable boom with cartoon channels. Then they had their rise during the 90s and rise during the early 2000s and then started to have a decline because I think a lot of folks were getting burned out on cartoons or it was people were moving away from it as well i know i was i watched like cartoon cartoon fridays religiously as a kid same here and then around 2005 i mean warcraft came up i started watching i started playing more video games and being a high schooler and also being like oh i don't really watch cartoons anymore i loved animation i always loved animation but i wasn't as like uh zealous with watching it all the time on cartoon network and stuff so things like when Powerpuff Girls started to disappear, Dexter's Lab, Hey Arnold, and things like Chowder started to pop up and Camp Lazlo, uh, and, and also the Teletoon stuff on Cartoon Network. I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling this. You know, I'm going to move on. Let's, you know, I'll play video games instead. So that being said, I don't think Chowder was bad. I don't I think Camp Lazlo was bad. And on, on the contrary, actually, things like uh, Flapjack. Flapjack, you can trace all the Cartoon Network big shows like Steven Universe, Adventure Time, regular show. A lot of those folks who started those shows got their start on Flapjack. Flapjack gave birth to the 2010 oh. Cartoon Network Renaissance. There's a lot of people who started up on Flapjack. And uh, but Flapjack doesn't get ne- nearly enough credit for what it accomplished and how it brought people together who would go on to basically provide a lot of animation for um cartoons and shows and projects for the 2010s, which of course Adventure Time was the one that really kicked that off. Adventure Time, regular show, My Little Pony, serendipitous timing of it showing up around that in 2010 as well. 2010, 2010 was a starting line that all these cartoons took off, and then it was like, okay, here we go. 2010s, a bit of, of a revival on Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, ah, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, <laughs> Disney Channel, <laughs> some a little bit of Nickelodeon here and there, but it was you know strong early start, mid start. YouTube took off. The internet blew up. I think from like I'd say around 2012 is when the internet really started to like just make a my a, a mad dash to catch up with cable and just, bl- just blast right past it. And YouTube became super popular. Facebook, Google, of course, has always been popular as a search yeah. engine. But uh, still, like just the internet as a as a dominating figure in the world of entertainment just rose above television. And now streaming sites are like, yo, we're the new game in town. So my theory is streaming services are offering a new horizon for content creators. And we're going to see some really huge projects and new content on the horizon. I mean, it's already kind of happening. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a cool combination of cartoons and animation and the internet and the internet and, and online creators and, and, and cool studios and companies who are still making good stuff and of course, there will always be bad stuff as well, but it, it's an explosive time right now, and I'm glad to be part of it and at least observe it and talk about it. And it's 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 funny you you brought that up too because stre- as the streaming has you know grown itself, there's been shows that have found life not only on like YouTube but also like on Twitter that helped them get the spark, 
and then they just need a chance. You know, the fans yeah. were there to, to say, oh, this is awesome. You got to watch this. Hey, Frank, you got to go watch this. Sarah, you got to check this out. And like, I think a perfect example of that is um, two sh three things, actually. And one really irrelevant today, um, the Infinity Train. Yes. Has-Been Hotel. And just recently, the SpongeBob anime. I love that. And like, I did a quick bit about that recently, too. It was so good. No, it's because the vid, I, the reason why I checked it out, and it's dope. Like, whoa. I, yeah, I had low expectations, but it really knocked me off my feet. Yeah, it's good. It, it goes to show you that, like, again, like uh, the rise of the, inter of the internet as a platform and also um, technology being a lot more widely available with programs and, and, and equipment. Like, I, I'm doing a project right now where it's a reanimation project and I'm going through the applications and I, I got people who are like 14 years old who I, I don't work with minors. I'm sorry. It's like, you know, disqualified, but uh, they have their demo reels and I click on it anyway. And it's like, my God, like you're so talented. Like you're, you're 14 and you're making this. Like when I was 14, I, I, I wasn't doing anything. I was watching cartoons and, on TV. That's it. You know, I was watching cartoons. Now, albeit we didn't have the technology available around the time you know because the internet was kind of in its infancy right. and good luck you know getting videos or anything at all like content or content to download like that's why like angry video game game nerd was like uh, the grandfather of not just you know video game channels but like commentary channels in general like with reviews yeah you're right i mean him being able to record that and have a personality he was light years ahead of everybody else it's like oh my god like this is insane um, I think people look back on him and, and talk about how his channel and what he made was like groundbreaking and and served as a as a springboard and as an inspiration for other content creators to go I want to do that. So yeah, it's it's insane. I don't know. I it's it's such a brave new world and it's terrifying, but at the same time like seeing all these people who are just running with their passion, with their talent, with it, we're going it's it is going to be seen as an art renaissance. Like a hundred years from now, they'll look back and say, oh, the internet when it went mainstream led to an explosion of art and content that was has never been seen before in this quantity ever by human by humanity, ever. I think too, we're seeing also like, just what you said, like even what the last two years, there's been like another boom of just great shows on television mm -hmm. that I never really honestly thought some channels I didn't really think they would make that comeback. Like I think a perfect one for me is Disney. You know, yeah. not Disney as the movies. You know, the movies are always going to do what they got to do. I'm talking about like the animated shows. Like they Disney got like what? I think 3 that are already killing it. Like Owl House, Amphibia. Owl House, Amphibia, Big City Greens. I feel bad because I love Wonder Over Yonder, but I think it got it got done dirty where Disney's like, "Yeah, no, nah, it did." It didn't. It, it didn't click with me, but I know a lot of people like really were upset when it, when it got stopped. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, I, I know there's campaigns to bring it back. I mean, Craig McCracken and Lauren Faust, I love them, and I think Wander Over Yonder would would have performed better today than in the mid 2000s. I think it was a little bit ahead of the curve. And I also feel like <laughs> these dinosaur companies and they're and they're starting to catch up now, but it's like you can't expect to make up your budget if you're putting this just on cable like you need to move over to streaming because that's yeah. where everybody but when i went to go visit my nieces a few years ago i mean i've seen them you know 
after I'm just saying back when I saw them years ago. Uh, There's there a there was a moment that dawned on me three years ago. That's what I'm saying. Where like it one was like five, one was four, or whatever, and it was Saturday morning, and I was like, hey, so y'all want to watch some you know cartoons or animation or whatever? And they're just watching YouTube videos of girls playing with toys. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all want to watch this instead? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you don't watch, you know, Netflix or something else? And they're like, no, nah, we're good. And I'm like, wow. Like, the kids coming in right now, the Gen Zers and whatever generations are now coming down the pipeline, they don't know what cable is or they don't care. As long as they got an iPad or a phone, like, or TV, like, to watch the internet on, like, with applications or apps or streaming, right. they're good. And I'm like, that's it. That's the death. That's the death sentence for Disney Channel on cable, Nickelodeon on cable, Cartoon Network on cable. It is now. And I think Disney Plus was the one to go, and we're done. Like when Disney Plus announced their serv- their streaming services, everybody else scrambled because they realized, here we go. This is the beginning of the end, and that will continue to be the case as time goes forward. So many, so many. Like once it was, it was announced, like it, it was like a wildfire of so many people just saying, okay, streaming this. We got streaming that, streaming that, streaming that. Like exactly. everyone said, saw the game. Like you said, it was changing. They're like, we either we get on board or we get, or we're gonna get lost in the shuffle. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's how life is. You gotta evolve, and if you don't, you're gonna fall on the wayside. Adapt, adapt, adapt. And typically, humans drag. It's weird. Humans, humans are weird. Not to get philosophical or or weird, but like humans can drag their feet and be apprehensive to change until something so overwhelmingly powerful arrives that it's like you either have to adapt now or you're going to perish and that's the case with the internet it's like the cable companies wanted to throttle the internet's rise and the internet never was initially seen as like the next big thing it was just a an asset a tool like oh it's a a trend some people thought it was a fad but like yeah yeah exactly but now it's like nope this is not just a fad this is literally the future of mainstream content and that's why you mentioned them has been hotel there you go has been hotel is a great example it's like now you get these online pilots where it's like people don't have to go to a hollywood agent to beg for to be noticed you can just upload your content to youtube and by its own merit and hopefully by a a, a, a kind algorithm you'll get noticed and that's cool that, that provides a better platform for creators to actually pitch their shows versus being controlled by a middleman who might bring you for everything you're worth so or or make you have to compromise your creation so i'm i'm excited i think it's a lot more content than ever before so it's it can feel overwhelming but i'll take that versus the checks and balances of a of a system like hollywood that is a lot more pretentious and controlling and and i'd say corrupt but at the same time the internet can has its own level of corruption too but that's just that's just the internet in general. What can you do? You're not lying. I'm speaking with Saber Spark. If you've been so far, everyone, this conversation we've been having, this has been very insightful about Steven, man. He's been, he's been through this road for a long time, and he's seen the changes, but he's also grown with it and evolved himself as a person. And now, with his channel, because now we're looking at the now, to what you are with this second boom with your YouTube channel. For some people who look at your channel, some honestly will say that you're a furry. <laughs> you know, I've seen so many people, that. but not only that, but also people call you the king of watching bad movies or mm-hmm. or even movies that no one 
wouldn't ever think about watching. But once you talk about it, everyone's interest kind of pops in it with it. So I've got to know where did your interest now in this Silicon Boom to go in this direction with some with some of these topics? Cause you, you you still talk you know review some movies and you also you know do some good essays. But what about these others of these unknown movies that are from like different countries and some movies that people would never have thought about watching? I have a compass, and its name is ADD. I <laughs> 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 genuinely mean that. I, I am a very ADD person, and I, which means I have a hard time concentrating on lots of projects. But I want to do all the projects. But I, I also get laser vision. But I also have a hard time just concentrating on one single thing. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, it's cruel mistress. But one where I'm like, but that's what makes me me, and I like that. So. That being said, um, I did the what ruined, what's ruining, and top 10 videos from like 2016 and 17. And then around 2018, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of putting myself in a corner where I typically get more, my fuse for creativity typically runs out before my audience's attention span. So that means I'm typically moving on to something else for me before my audience gets bored with it. So... No, that's, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of audiences who feel different, but like at least the majority of my audience. So I uh, was like, okay, uh, Leo the Lion. Oh, this is awful. Oh, this is terrible. I've always liked bad movies, like so bad that it's good. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll talk about this. I, I feel like if I talk about movies and review them, there'll be a never ending supply of content to go after versus like you can only do so many what ruins or what's ruining until you run out of ammo and it gets repetitive. And I still do those, but they're, they're, kind of peppered into my content my schedule versus being like constantly all the time so that being said um did the bad movies did a furry movie for fun that was kind of in the guise of what i thought would be a bad movie but i'm like oh it's not really bad it's just kind of fur baby and i'm like oh i'll talk about that then and then it just kind of naturally grows on its own. I'm like, oh, furry people like my content. Or I'm sure that some of them don't. I, I, I know for a fact that all the furries, there's some furries out there who do not like me. And I'm fine. Well, whatever. Wow, but wow. yeah, that's just the internet for you. It, you when, the point where you, you get so large and known on the internet that it is, you will have people who hate you just because you exist. No, it doesn't matter. You can, be the, you can be the greatest human being who's ever lived. And people will still hate you just for that. They'll find a reason to hate you. As long as you love yourself and you got good friends who love you and support you and you and you're doing what you feel is right, then everything else is icing on the cake. And then the people who aren't supporting you, just ignore them. That's what I do. Not ignoring where it's like they give you constructive criticism, but people who are like, hey, you go kill yourself. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that means nothing to me because exactly. you, your words are, are just empty. They're empty. Like, give me something constructive or don't say anything at all. So they won't be mad just to be mad. And why feel hate with hate? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would say it from a place of envy. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, don't even don't even dignify them with a reply. Just like, who cares? It's just, I know, I know some folks are going to see that as like a, you know, uh, ignore the haters kind of thing, which that term's been floating around for a while. But genuinely, there's some there's some truth to that, where it's like you get so caught up in your own work, and and you'll miss out on the good things if you if you read the bad things all the time because you're not you're not going to change their minds. True. It, so why worry about that? But yeah, the the fairy stuff, the uh, bad movies, it's just something that happened on its own. And I, I still try to do stuff where it's like constantly trying to add some new variety to my channel with doing adult movies now, with doing 
odd movies with doing movies that are kind of disturbing. I, I just, I don't know. I just kind of follow my, my ADD, my ADD and see where it leads me next. Cause typically I, I'll have fun with that. And, and if I'm having fun, I can only hope that my audience will also catch on and enjoy it as well. Now you said, you know, I, I want to touch that, you know, having fun, you know, because as anything, as you, we grow through success, you know, we, we just continue to grow and then we, quote unquote, we feel that we reach the top. You know what I'm saying? Where yes. for you, you got over a million subscribers. You know, a lot of people look you in high regard. But there's also that fear of, like we said, when you want, you just said about losing the fun. Because, you know, once that fun kind of, you know, fades, then it starts to feel like hollow, you know? So do, do you ever, so uh, just to go fully on that, with all of the success you've got right now, has that fear ever dropped of you of wondering the fun will die from what you do? There's, there, that, that happens where you get caught into a routine and it becomes more of work than fun. And I've been there where I feel like I have to get a video out. I have to do something and it zaps the fun. Like, it was up to me. I just do videos whenever I wanted to. But when it becomes your career, you start to have to be a bit more of a, you know, you're, you're self-employed. You have to be your own boss. You have to be disciplined and follow through, especially with YouTube's algorithm breathing down your neck. Right. So it, it, it and that also depends on you as a creator, how often you upload, what kind of audience you have, what kind of content you make, stuff like that. So like me, I'm very different compared to someone like Mr. Beast. You know, very different. Um, he's a completely different animal. That's no pun intended with calling him Mr. Beast. But um, but yeah, I um, there are some days, some weeks where I get burned out. Some weeks where I'm like, oh, okay, this one isn't as much fun. There's some weeks where I'm getting really passionate. Like I'm working on a, a video about VeggieTales and I'm just having so much fun making that. It's great. Uh, this video I released today about Invader Zim, the Lies episode, you know, that was fun. It's goofy. And, but that was more of an upload versus like an actual project that I'm like incredibly pumped over. Right. And you, know, you, you got to take it all in stride. Take your good with the bad. Take your wins when you can. Learn from them. Take your losses when you can. Learn from them. You know, failure is the best teacher of all. Uh, where it's like, where it's like, oh yeah, I screwed up. Why? And and let me be better. That's the sign of someone who can truly adapt is learning from your failures and and being better next time. Not, oh, I'm invincible, I can do no wrong, but more of a, no, I messed up, I can I can fail. I'm not, <laughs> there's a quote from a video game, I mentioned this on a live stream one time, it's, it's, of all things, it's from a StarCraft on a campaign level for these this alien creature that, like, this alien creature, its job is to evolve other aliens to be the, the best they can be, where he, the alien's like, oh, yeah, I take other aliens' DNA, I take it i form it i weave it i make it great and this other character is like but not perfect and the other alien was like yeah not perfect because perfection is a goal that always change it always changes you can chase it but you can never catch it mm -hmm. and it's like that's so true because what i consider what we consider perfect back during the because there's the you know the idea of what perfection is which is like oh uh perfection equals mass popularity mass success mass money you know the the fastest cars and the hottest wives you know whatever but it's like, nah, you know, uh, that because that's someone's interpretation of perfection versus what others folks think of, of perfection. It's it's a goal that's constantly shifting and moving, you know, like uh, moving the goalpost. And you chase it. You always chase it. Always adapt. It's always trying to – because, I mean, look, look at people who were popular back in the 90s. 
uh, in the 2010s. And then now it's it's a rotate or revolving door. And there'll be people who get on the ride, get to do it for a bit and then fall off. And that's that. And that's fine. You know, I, right now I realize that there's a, a clock ticking with me with what I do. And I want to keep having fun with it. Try to be frugal, prudent, have fun, live my life, you know, enjoy my blessings, make some great stuff that I enjoy. And whenever the ride's over, I'll hop off and go, that was fun. And, and then let someone else hop on the ride and enjoy it. So that's that's my philosophy with it all. And if you could give any word to any upcoming creator, what would you say to them about this journey that is being a content creator? Be patient. Be kind to yourself. Don't lose faith and think that you have nothing to offer. It's a game of adaptation a game of you understanding yourself and what you can do as an artist, as a person and how you can put it to work on the internet or not even online, but just in general, maybe you're a writer. You don't even know it. Maybe you're a fantastic artist. Maybe you're a very good speaker. You have a better personality. Maybe your strengths lie in your research. Sometimes you'll find that what you do is very specific. And as an individual, you can't really make it work, but you but now, but where your strengths can really be applied is to a team. And it's like, yo, what you can't do on your own, yeah, but you can join this team and be fantastic with it and as a as a group make something tremendous. I, I that's that's the thing. It's it's all about learning and growing, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, trying to understand the ups and downs and and just being self-aware of your content, your art, yourself. And ultimately, if you keep trying to like search yourself and and know your content and your work, you'll eventually find a path that works for you. That's that's my entire take on it. I love that very much. This is Stephen Carver, aka Saber Spark, and we've been having a great conversation. I thank him again for just sitting down with me and giving him me his time. This has been very very insightful. Before I let you go, this is what I love to do with my guests. You know, this is the I call the shout out time where we give the love and just straight respect to the people who have been by our side, who picked us up when we couldn't move no further. So the floor is yours, Stephen. Show some. By love. the way. Yeah, yes, sir. Go nuts. I want to give you props to you. I, I can already tell just in, in the hour of spending time with you, how you're a person who you, you, you're, you know, you know how to you're contemplative. I think that's the right way of saying it. Like, I feel like you aren't like a shallow person. You seem like you think deep and you feel deep and you're, you're, I don't know. I, I appreciate people like that who aren't like facetious. I mean, facetious is the wrong word. I, I don't know. I feel like you're a, 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 you are a person of substance and I appreciate that. But to thank people, I mean, my father, my mother, my father helped me, you know, get through college and never gave up on me. My mother always supporting I mean, during the internet days of the Bernie stuff in the early 2010s, they were like, okay, what is this? This is weird. Just like your parent. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and I don't blame them. It was really out there. I any normal, any, any mainstream parent would also be doubtful and cautious. It just, I took a very untraditional path and got to where I am today. And they even told me like, hey, Stephen, we're proud of you. We're sorry we doubted you. And I'm like, don't worry. Like there's no animosity. You just were being parents trying to find the most practical path for your son to succeed. And I, I just so happened to found a, I found a path that was really out there and unorthodox, but I made it work it, by luck and by momentum. Um, my sisters, my, I have some really good friends, uh, Paleo, Steno, AC Race Best, 
DB Pony. Uh, I, I got a great team. I'm no content creator is an island to themselves where they can do it all by themselves. They have to fall back on friends and family, uh, other creators and artists to help lift them up. And it's it's a group effort. And I'm very blessed to be in a place where I can have friends and family and, and other content creators to join me and help me grow my channel and do it in a way that feels fun, organic, and everybody wins. And the last thing I want to ask you, if you could go back in time and speak to Steven, who is just about to get into this fandom, and also to the Steven who at one point lost it and just got burned out, what words of advice would you give them for the journey that they're about to take on? Well, I'd be very tempted to go back to Warcraft addicted Steven and slap him upside the head. I mean, I wouldn't change anything, like a butterfly effect, of course, because it got to where I am, so I wouldn't touch it. But as far as, like, if I could, like, enter a dream state and whisper something into my ear that I would wake up remembering, I'd be like, okay, to the early burning me, I'd be like, have fun. And that's what I'd say, have fun. You know, enjoy these moments, because they'll eventually pass, and they'll enter memory. And and those are sweet memories, but, you know, enjoy it. You know, get just, just have fun with it. And then to 2015 me, after getting fired from my sales company, after getting dumped by my girlfriend, I... Because I, I entered a pretty big depression around that time where I was like, I just don't care anymore. Life sucks. I tell myself, keep going. That's it. Just keep going. You know, persevere. Keep going. Because literally, the lowest point of my life was followed up by the beginning of a of a of a vertical V shaped bounce where it's like I hit the rock bottom. Now time to let's, let's skyrocket it right back up and go even further. So that's what I tell myself. And you made it to the other side very well. You should be proud of yourself. I am. It feels good. I'm very lucky, blessed, and I hope to keep running with it and never take it for granted. This is Stephen Carver, a.k.a. Sabersmark. My name is Ronald E. Smith. And y'all, I think we just got real. Thank you very much. We did. <laughs> Thank you very much. Like, share, subscribe, and I'll see you.